Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dental Practice Heroes podcast. We are here on Monday, January 18th. Hey, I finally, 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 finally got over a thousand reviews for my practice. So that was a big milestone for us. And it's kind of cool, but then at the same time, it's like you want this big, like monumental, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we did it. And it's just kind of like, okay, I mean, we had a lot of reviews before, but now we got over a thousand. So, oh well. But happy for my team and everything at the practice. I mean, I've got a great group of girls working with, we've got a great team, and it shows by our reviews. So it was nice to get to that milestone. I just got the vaccine. I got the Moderna vaccine two weeks ago. And then about four days later, I got super sick. I went to work on Monday and then on Tuesday morning, like 2 a.m., I just woke up just with the chills, had a high fever. And I ran that for like four days. I got tested for the Rona, negative, negative for flu, negative for strep. But I was out all last week and I wasn't feeling so good, but it kind of felt good. <laughs> It kind of feels good to lay in bed and just not do anything and sleep all day, even though you're not feeling the best. But I don't know how much it was related to the vaccine. Four days after the vaccine, it just seems kind of strange to have symptoms. I I think I just came down with something and it just happened to be coincidental with the vaccine. All right, before we get our topic, I want to say thank you to Dr. A. Dawson. Left a five-star review for the podcast, said, Paul Etchison does not disappoint when it comes to delivering value. Thank you very much. I very much appreciate it. And before we jump into it, too, I still need some people, if you want to be part of the new segment, the new hot seat segment. So what it's going to be is me and two other dentists, and we're just going to listen to some issue you're having at the practice, and we're just going to break it down and give some advice. So if you have something that you want to talk about, Come on on the podcast. We can do it anonymously. You don't have to say your name. And we can get really vulnerable if you like to. I mean, if even if you want me to disguise your voice, you know, like those, what do we call those, the documentaries, those crime documentaries where they're disguising their voice, we could do that too. So whatever you want to do, but please send me an email, dentalpracticehero at gmail.com. So today, I want to talk about projecting. I want to talk about projecting our values on the patient. And this is something that is so important for the team and, and everyone on your team, from the hygienist to the assistants to the people on the front end. Everyone needs to understand this principle and how this works. Now, we got to think about every judgment, every perception that we have as people, like when we're judging someone or we're just like making sense of the world, that in our brains is layers and layers of our own personal experiences tied to that. So, so we make judgments based on our own personal experiences. Where this often shows up is presenting treatment plans. And when we're presenting treatment plans, I believe personally as a dentist that we always need to take the shot at giving the patient the option to say no to ideal dentistry or say yes to ideal dentistry. And then we work from there. You know, one of my favorite quotes is Wayne Gretzky. He says, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. We have to take that shot. And we can all think about those examples where somebody came into our office. They didn't look like they had a lot of money. We didn't think they were going to do anything. And then they just dropped tons of cash on a big treatment plan. And we're just like, wow, I can't believe that person did that. Where did they get all that money? And we don't know. We just can't make those assumptions. I'm thinking about, you know, we do a Mother's Day contest, which is a little side tangent is these are good for Facebook. You put out there and you're going to redo somebody's smile. They write in these, these sob stories of how they can't afford it. And they send their pictures. And it's really it's really heartwarming when you get these done. And it's a great marketing thing. But it's also just it feels good to help these people because these people are, you know, dental cripples. And you're giving somebody a new smile. You're changing their life. 
But I had somebody that we had come in for the consultation because she was one of our finalists. And she wasn't somebody that we picked, but I still told her what the ideal dentistry was going to cost. And she started crying. She said, there's no way I can afford that. Oh my gosh, like, I, is there anything else I can do? Is there anything cheaper? And in, in her case, it wasn't. It was like almost full mouth rehab. She had rampant decay, lots of broken down teeth. There was no way to patch and fill all that with composites. Like it just needed to be porcelain. So she left in not the best spirits, but you know what? She turned around, she came back about two months later, and she paid for it in full. How? I have no idea. I don't know where she got the money, but she got it. You know, I have my hygienist, Kala. Her name is Kala. And when she was in hygiene school, she was working at a bar, and she just really wanted to straighten out her teeth. And she didn't have any money. I mean, she was paying for school herself, you know, living on her own. And she was just working at the bar, but she made it happen. She used financing She came up with the down payment, she saved, and she got Invisalign. And then I have another story where I just did this 23-year-old, this is probably maybe a year and a half ago, I did her 10 upper front teeth in veneers, 23 years old. Where did she get the money? I have no idea. But I'll tell you something, when I delivered her tops, she looked at the bottoms and she goes, ah, we got to do the bottoms, how much for the bottoms? And I said, the same as the tops. She goes, all right, let's do it, I want to do it, I'll put my my down payment today. So she literally turned around after getting her tops, and she did the bottoms. Now, where did the people get the money? Who cares? Who knows? The point of the matter is, is that if people want it, whether they have the money or not, if people want it bad enough, they will find the money. Sometimes a patient's going through a divorce, you know, and they want to get back on the market. They want it really bad. They want to look good. They're finding a new mate. Maybe they got their, their parents died or a grandparent died, and they got a big inheritance, Maybe they just got a big tax return this year that wasn't expected. Maybe they got a promotion. The thing is, is we just never know. So we can all agree that we have cases like this and we've all been surprised. Everybody has cases like this. But when we don't think that the patient can afford it, if we really in our mind don't think they can afford it and we think that we're presenting a treatment plan that's a lot of money, we will project that. It will come up in our speech. It will kill the case. I remember one time me and my wife were going looking and I, and I don't own a Corvette, but I wanted to get a Corvette and I was really thinking about getting a Corvette. I just, I wanted a convertible and I was just like looking at it. My wife's like, dude, that's, that's a car for old people, like midlife crisis stuff. And I'm like, I don't know. I just want a, a fast convertible. Anyway, we're going to look at it. We couldn't even get anyone to help me. And then I asked if I could test drive it. And the guy said, uh, I don't know. Are you planning on buying it? And I said, you know what? No. I'm not planning on buying it. No, that's, we're good, man. No, thanks. He's like, no, you can touch her. I'm like, nah, that's okay. Now, at the time, I was like 36. I could have paid for this car in cash, but I didn't need it that bad. It was like a fun car for me, and it just turned me off. And I still, one day, I'm going to get that Corvette, but I don't know. Maybe I'll get something else. Who knows? I ended up buying a Jeep Wrangler, and, and that kind of fulfilled my convertible desire to have a car with no top on. But you know what? Who knows? My point being is that I was offended. And no, I wasn't walking in there with like a Rolex on my hand or like a Tag Heuer with on my hand or anything like that. I wasn't all dressed up. I was wearing like a hoodie and jeans probably. And I probably didn't look like I had the money. But the thing was, is he assumed I didn't have it and he did not sell a car. So what I want you to do is I want you to do this exercise with your team. And I think this is great for a team meeting. So we need to, first we're going to ask everyone in the team, everyone's going to get a piece of paper and we're just going to ask for discussion. What is a dollar amount of a treatment plan when you present it that you feel a little uncomfortable? And I can tell you when I graduated school, it was probably like 3,000. You know, maybe like five years ago, it might have been like 10, 15,000. 
now, there is no dollar amount that is, is uncomfortable for me to present because I want to present it as it is. Here it is. If that's too much for you, dude, just tell me and we'll figure something else out. But this is the ideal treatment and this is what it costs. And I will say that to the patient and I will wait and see what they say. So we ask everyone in the room, what is that number? And what you're going to see is a lot of variation. And what you're likely going to see, and I don't think you really need to point this out, but people will think get uncomfortable with a number that they are personally uncomfortable with. But what you want to point out to the team is the variation in that whatever we personally feel like is a lot of money, we think is a lot of money for the patients, but we don't know. So now everyone has this piece of paper and we're going to show a picture. We're going to get four different pictures from people on the internet, random people. If you want to use people, you know, that's cool too, but just get four pictures of like a person or a family and you show one for like about a minute and you tell everyone to write down two things on their piece of paper. What does this person do for a living and how much money do they make? That's it. Go to the next picture. What does this person do for a living? How much money do they make? Go to the next picture. What does this person do for a living and how much money do they make? And go to the fourth picture. And it's always fun for that fourth picture if you find like some super rich CEO of some company no one's ever heard of and you find them in like normal street clothes because you can look up their net worth and see what it is and it's a nice like just like topper at the end. So now you're going to go through these four pictures again and everyone's going to say what this person does for a living and how much money do they make and what you want to do is you want to listen to and acknowledge the variation in the answers. You want to reinforce with the team there's no way to know and then you want to ask hey does this person look like they just like they just got an inheritance? Does this person look like someone who might have equity in their house that maybe they could take a loan out, a home equity line of credit and pay for treatment? Does this person look like they just got a promotion or maybe they feel like their smile's holding them back from a promotion? Do they just get a settlement? We don't know. Just keep saying that. There's no way to know. You know, is this person a big saver? Because I know tons of people that don't look like they have a lot of money that have tons of money. And I know tons of people that look like they're full of money and they're living paycheck to paycheck because they're just fronting. They're just projecting that image that they've got everything. And we know tons of people like that. There's no way to know. The only thing that you know, like think about someone who drives a really expensive car. The only thing you really know about that person is that they could afford the car. That's it. It doesn't mean they have a lot of extra income after paying for the car. It doesn't mean they live in a big house. All it means is that at some point they were able to get financing for that car. So the moral is that we cannot allow our judgments to affect how we present. And the only way to not offend someone and give everybody a fair chance is just to assume the yes. Assume the yes. We have to assume the yes with every treatment plan that we present. Plain and simple. Think about it. If you have somebody who is has a lot of money and you assume that they can't pay for it, they're offended. Now, if they don't have a lot of money and they can't afford it, but you still assume that they can, they will not be offended. So the only way to not offend anyone and give everyone a chance is just assume the yes. That's all we have to do. So try doing that with your team. Do that exercise. And that will just become very, very apparent to everyone that we just, we can't let our views and our perceptions about money and what's a lot of money and if the treatment's worth it and all those things, we can't let that get muddled up in our presentation. If we want to help as many people as possible, we have to always assume the yes. So try that out with your team. I hope that's helpful. And I know it's going to be helpful for your front desk because it has been very helpful for mine as well. I hope you guys all have a great week and we will talk to you next time.